Welcome to another episode of That Girl with the Curls. Uh, actually, it's episode 16, and uh, my guest for this episode is Kyle Stevens, better known as Kirby Crackle. So uh, if you're into like the nerd rock scene or the, the burgeoning nerd rock scene that's happening right now, then this is right up your alley. But uh, Kyle's great. Uh, he's local. He's a Seattle uh, person. I'm trying to basically interview everybody in Seattle at this point that's into geeky stuff. So if you're a geeky person in Seattle, please uh, give me a call. Um, and uh, yeah, so we get into a lot of stuff about nerd music and you know, uh, geek out over stuff like True Detective and some Marvel heroes and everything. And uh, again, Kyle was just a sweetheart. He's uh, he's a great guy to talk to, and uh, I'm really looking forward to <laughs> listening to his concert at uh, Emerald City Comic Con uh, in 2015. So it promises to be an excellent one, as as I'm sure they all are. It's like a a thing that people must do now, um, a pilgrimage to go. Uh, before we uh, get into the episode proper, I just want to like do some. Uh, uh, deets, I guess, for, for everyone, because I want to use the lingo you're all used to. Um, you can uh, find me, uh, the Maniacal Geek, uh, at uh, maniacalgeek.com now. Uh, it's at allgood.com, as well as follow me at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y, on Twitter. Uh, I'm still kind of figuring out how to do these intros and outros and everything. So, um, based on how things have been going so far, I might actually do intros within the episode proper instead of at the top. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm experimenting with the format right now. So, if you'll allow me, indulge me if you were, uh, if you will, <laughs> perhaps, uh, then uh, I thank you because I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. One day this will be a well-oiled machine of some sort. Um, and also uh, stay tuned till the, the end of the episode because I will be playing uh, one of uh, Kyle's songs, one of Kirby Crackle's songs. It's uh, Ring Capacity. So I, I feel like if, you're, um, if you want a good intro to what Kirby Crackle music is like, this is uh, my favorite, one of my favorite songs. And uh, hopefully it will become one of yours and you will continue exploring his music um, if you're not already a fan. So uh, have fun with this episode, and uh, episode 16, Kirby Crackle, also known as Kyle Stevens. Bye. Sorry, it took so long. I was uh, wasn't sure what was going on. That's okay. No worries. I know it's like whenever something will not work, that's when it will not work. You know what I mean? When something should work, it will not work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's always it's Skype too. It's like <laughs> well, connection sounds great. Sounds better than usual. So that's nice. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. And you sound good coming through. We're we're recording now, so I usually do an intro at the top at the top of the episode. Awesome. So cool. We're just getting into it right Let's now. Do it. Uh, 
So I, I actually uh, probably should just say uh, welcome, Kyle, uh, who is also known as Kirby Crackle or one part of Kirby Crackle. That is that is what my lower back tattoo says. Does yeah. <laughs> one one ha- one part of Kirby Crackle? Well, it's like it's like both. I was born, and my parents said there's some kind of prophecy. I don't know what this is. This is weird though. And then I'm glad it worked out good. Otherwise, it'd been really awkward. Yeah, you're like, oh my god, you have the same tattoo. We were meant to be in this band. <laughs> totally. Um, and, uh, we are recording the day before All Hallows Eve. Um, do you have plans for Halloween? You know, I'm going to, uh, Las Vegas for the Vegas Valley Book Festival. It's my last convention stop of the year. And so, um, I didn't even realize it was going to be Halloween until a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, well, this is going to be the weirdest night ever in Vegas. So (laughs) I don't have, I don't have a costume though. I got to pull something together last minute. Oh man, yeah, you gotta like you gotta figure out like what are the easiest ones you can figure out like bum hippie like. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna get an Ed Hardy shirt and glitter jeans and then walk around and be like, why is everyone wearing the same thing as me here? Oh, it's Vegas. <laughs> be that guy. Be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always end up. I have a Wonder Woman shirt that I always end up just putting on. I'm like, I'm casual Wonder Woman today. Nothing wrong with that. Nope, not a, not at all. I also have a, a you know one of those um. It says, like, the hello, my name is thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so mine has, like, the hello, my name is Inigo Montoya bit. Oh, nice. So I just, I can wear that around and be like, yeah, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. People just go, hey, walk by, you high five. Yeah, exactly. Or if they don't remember the Princess Bride, which is just a crying shame. That is, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> exactly. It's like, we cannot be friends now. <laughs> you ruined all chances before we even yeah, met. Just so you know. Yeah, that's what. That's how I usually introduce myself to people. I just go up and be like, "Do you like the Princess Bride?" First of all, before I shake your hand. <laughs> you know, I just saw. Uh, was it uh, Carrie Eels? Is that how you pronounce his last name? It's that, or I think it's Elvis. Elvis. Okay, Elvis sounds cooler. Uh, he just put a new <laughs> book out, I guess, or he's about to put a book out. Oh yeah, um, I heard about this where it's like um, he he got he he brought together all the cast and just basically interviewed them. Or, yeah. Like, about the filming of the movie. I just saw that, like, ten minutes ago, so I'm excited about that, speaking of. I know. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, like, I want to know all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I live for that. Totally. <laughs> uh, so you just mentioned uh, this is your last uh, stop on your tour right yeah. now, uh, tomorrow. Uh, so how long does the touring season last for you? You know, it's kind of... Uh, my touring season is kind of different from other bands. I guess my touring season just kind of counts as all year round. It's like what's happening this month in terms of conventions and stuff. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll go do just like a non-convention tour, but those are kind of uh, those are like a once a year deal. But usually mm-hmm. I do about say like ten to twelve conventions a year. Uh, oh, wow. So this, this has been a really busy fall doing a um, Portland Comic Con and then uh, Rose City, excuse me, and then um, mm-hmm. New York and did like five days there just kind of bumming around and then, and then five days at the convention and then that was good and glad to be home and oh here we go we're off again and then um <laughs> yeah and then i just come home and then play video games for a month and then that's it there we go that's that sounds about right <laughs> do you feel like uh does each city have like a different vibe to it that you notice or is it is it generally the same because it's all like nerds basically well you know it, it is a lot of nerds let's just be honest there's a lot of nerds everywhere i go um and those mm-hmm. are our people right so i, I feel <laughs> Just kind of like, oh, here we all are, uh, every place I go. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, some places are are a little more um, kind of c- friendly to the convention visitor than others, being like there's stuff going around the area. Like, I think mm-hmm. Seattle is always good for people who come here for Emerald City because there's a lot of good places to eat, 
and cool museums and stuff like that. Some places you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. so it just kind of depends where I am, but I'm just kind of usually open to, to the adventure of whatever that will be. Well, that's cool. Was there a place in particular that, you know, outside of Seattle that you, you really dug uh, that maybe you thought you, you, you wouldn't have, I guess? Yeah, you know, I, I really like Calgary. Like, I really had, kind of had no idea what Calgary was all about until I went there, I guess, six years ago now. It was the first Comic-Con I did there for Kirby Crackle. Um, and there's lots of fun stuff around there, lots of good restaurants and stuff. The The weirdest one was Philly Comic-Con, Wizard Philly World or something like that. Because okay. you walked out of the convention hall. And it was just like dystopian wasteland, kind of. <laughs> and, and then you were walking, and it got worse. Like, there was, like, trash blowing on the street. I'm like, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden, you're at the Liberty Bell. And what? there's, like, homeless people making out against the Liberty Bell thing. And I'm like, well, this let's just soak this all in here. <laughs> and then it ends up in a song somewhere. Yeah, well, it still has yet to, yeah. And I'm just like, maybe we shouldn't be here. And then all of a sudden, it's like one intersect, uh, intersection is just like totally gentrified, like just bizarre. <laughs> like, but that was a good, it was a cool experience to see that. Yeah. Oh, I got, yeah. And uh, so when I, when I met you at uh, Rose City, because yes. I've seen you at Emerald City a few times, I just never got the nerve to like go up and, and talk to you. <laughs> It's it's like I'm gotten over the shyness now, where it's it's just going up to people and being like, "Hello." Hell yeah, that's all it is. People, people is people, is what I always say. Exactly, and and the thing about like conventions like Rose City and, and Emerald City is that there, it just feels very open. Yes, I agree. Uh, it, it, I only have that experience with those two because I don't really go to the other ones uh, that are on like the East Coast or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. It, it has to be the same pretty much over there, too. It's not like people are demanding things of you, really. Like, they're just, no, you know, I, Yeah, I love when people come up and talk. I mean, because if, if you're not selling stuff, you're just kind of sitting there. If you're not selling or talking to people or, you know, meaningful folks, you're just sitting there looking out from your table. And, and just, <laughs> you just look like a crazy, lonely person sitting there. So Staring. You just make a game out of it. Like, how long can I stare at the table opposite me exactly. before they get uncomfortable? <laughs> uh, let me tell you from experience, a long time. Oh, okay. Well, you should clock yourself next time and then feel like personal best. Yep, yep. I'm all about that. <laughs> and uh, and when I talked to you there, uh, I talked to, was that your uh, assistant bandmate, uh, Christine? Uh, Kristen, my wife. Kristen. Kristen. Yes. Real wife. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Sorry. Or as I refer to, because I'm from the 1700s, my assistant. My, your my, assistant. My wifely kitchen assistant. That's, appro- that's appropriate go. in 2014, right? No. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, we're bringing that kind of stuff back, the yeah. terminology. It's, it's, it's getting, yeah, no, someone's going to kill me just for saying that. Yes, <laughs> yes, she is my booth help awesomeness, so she helped me a lot that weekend. Yeah, she was great. Uh, Talked uh, talk to her and you and everything, and uh, you guys uh, were promoting your most recent album. Yes. Um, which I listened to uh, a bunch of songs off of and really enjoyed Uh the North of the Wall, I think, uh, was really the one that she was pushing, and for good reason. It's very, it's really good. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, North, North of the Wall is kind of like our, people say it's our hardest song we have. Like, we have faster songs, but that song is like a drop detuning, which automatically makes it sound evil. And so yeah. that song used to be a lot more evil, actually. it was uh, So it's our Game of Thrones song, for anyone who, who doesn't know about that song who's listening. But we wanted to write a mm-hmm. song about, you know, what would exist north of the wall? Is it like slip and slides and slurpees? Like, I don't know. I didn't read all the books yet. I don't know. You know, so. The show hasn't put it out there for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it could be, right? So we wanted to, it was like in halftime before, and it just sounded really evil. And then one time our drummer messed up and played it fast. And we're like, 
your mistake is your greatest gift to us. Thank you. That sounds way better <laughs> than it did flow. <laughs> well, we must make this into the the, the final cut. Yeah. Um, and and with that song, like like you said, it's like your hardest one. It's a, I mean, is it your most metal kind of version, or or have you had like ones that are a bit more metal? It's kind of our. I think it's our most. I guess is what you would like stereotypically think is is metal. There's a lot of guitar solos. There's a lot of group gang yelly vocals. I mean, I <laughs> I was kind of glad to get it just for the reason of of I've had years and years of metal bros come up to me at the table and they go, this is too light for me. No, this is too light for me. And now I'm like, oh, hold on, sir. Here you go. Like, one moment. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was just like for those five people that always give me shit, basically. There we go. (laughs) You always have to write songs just so people stop talking to you about how this is mad. Yeah, my my people pleasing has gone to a ridiculous place that it shouldn't have been, where now it's about making tracks. (laughs) <laughs> and uh so when you're you're putting your albums together like uh is it is it all based on like what you're you're watching at the time what you're playing at the time or do you do you tend to just like get inspired by something from your childhood or something like that like is there, is there a process <laughs> yeah it's a good question you know it's like i was just thinking about this recently because we're kind of deep in recording for our fifth album right now and okay. and it's kind of like okay so we started out you know, we started, you know, I like to think we started the genre of nerd rock. There was no one going around saying they were a nerd rock band. And now you see people on CNN calling Weird Al nerd rock, which is like, whoa, I don't think those people know about us. But somehow they know about nerd rock. And that's awesome. So, yeah. so for us, that was about songs, about comics, you know, video games, things that are awesome. That's kind of our shtick that we say at the booth for, for many years um, of kind of about our favorite storylines and, and it was kind of just like easy low-hanging fruit when we first started right it's like growing up reading comics or mario kart or something that should have been obvious for a long time but no one did it so we just kind of <laughs> grabbed it and did it and now it's kind of changed to it's like okay well kind of did the characters thing and that's fun too but kind of my inspiration over the past couple of years is how geek culture is basically becoming pop culture and then mm-hmm. kind of what does that mean for me as a songwriter what do i see that meaning to people like yourself when I do interviews what do I see people at the booth talking about over the years who I've seen and kind of how everyone's kind of evolving into this kind of thing where there still is geek culture but it's not such a niche thing anymore and then kind of yeah. and kind of like where does our band fit in that like does that mean that we're a mainstream band then I don't really think so but just because as an artist I feel like my job is to write about what I see and what I experience those are the things I find myself writing about, especially on this new record. So I'm, I'm excited to see what people think of it. And, and I think that's really cool because as a as an artist, you're you're essentially challenging yourself and, and growing as you see the industry kind of growing a bit too. Trying to, yeah, and it's kind of scary, right? Because because I thought, especially in the last record, like, man, we only had like two character songs on this. Like, what does that mean? You know, are people <laughs> going to be like, Kirby Crackle's not a nerd band, but everyone said it was our favorite, their favorite record of ours all together and it's kind of like we kind of took a jump off the plank to hoping our fans would catch us and trust with what we're doing and and i think from what i've heard they don't want to see us always do the same thing so i really kind of value this relationship we have with our fans very much so and and letting us evolve and them also trusting where we want to take it so it's it's fun that way it's kind of like i mean did you ever watch house Uh, you know i watched a couple of them but um no what, what are you thinking about that well, so the thing is with House, like there was it, you know, it, he has a, a set personality, which 
you you watch the first season, uh, first couple of seasons, you're like, oh, this is refreshing, an asshole doctor and, and whatnot. Yeah. But then after subsequent seasons, it's like, okay, asshole doctor, now what? Oh, so, so he never really kind of evolves out of that, you mean? No, he really doesn't. It's, and it's one of those shows where you're like, he either stays the same the whole time yeah. or he grows. And then it's like, which do you prefer? And it's like, uh, the same is with you know with music or or any character you see on television and movies and everything. If they don't grow, then you're like, why am I investing my time in this? Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's how I think, and it's refreshing to hear you know people like yourself say that because as an artist, I think I see I just I'm coming at it from a different place. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like I'm too close to my own stuff. But like for example, yeah. one of my favorite bands, Pearl Jam, they'll evolve and they'll grow, and I love it. And I'm like, let me I'm I'm in right? Like mm-hmm. I'm in and it's always good and slightly different, but then there's the people who are like, man, Pearl Jam hasn't done anything good since Jeremy. I'm like, what are you talking about? You missed out on all this stuff then. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's all subjective, right? But, but uh, sure. you know, I just got to do what I think works, and so far it's been, we've been lucky to have it work. It's been, it's been doing well. Yeah, I, um... I listened to because I I stumbled upon this uh, on your on your um, YouTube page, uh-huh. but it was the True Detective the Yellow King yeah. song, which I was like, oh my god, this is so amazing. <laughs> yeah, that that's very different from In Another Castle, right? It's like it's a total yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's I was obsessed with True Detective, and so what I kind of oh what god, I kind of know nice. about it's it's awesome. Okay, we're gonna do a whole other like off. Uh, off recording interview talk. We'll just talk about True Detective the whole time. Oh, we can still do that now. Okay. I don't care. All right, let's do it. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> okay. like I was so psyched, and I'm just trying to capture that energy, and I just want to make something swampy and just mm-hmm. thick. And so again, that's in the drop D tuning, which I've been experimenting with during the time of North of the Wall and that song. And that's actually like eight guitar tracks layered on itself of oh, of the wow. exact same thing. You know, there's like a school of thought that. You know, when you're a young musician, you start out thinking everything needs to be fast and tons of stuff going on. But then you realize over time, like, why isn't that heavy? Why doesn't it sound heavy to me? And why does, like, blues stuff or something so simple sound so weighted? And that's because mm-hmm. it's very simplistic and there's only, like, certain things happening at certain times. So your ears drawn to that. So that's what I tried to do with that song is just make it kind of like this nasty, swampy, southern mantra guitar riff and... And that, yeah. it's really fun. And, I mean, we might throw that on the new record, too, because right now it only exists as a single. So that would be fun. Oh, yeah. No, I think people just eat that up. I mean, especially, like, the second season is, is right around the corner. That's true. That's true. Yeah, at some point, you might you got to, you know, get in on that, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to do it. I mean, yeah, like, I, when I saw that show, I was just like, why haven't you been in my life for like so long? Yeah, it's so good, so cinematic, and I I would go off about it. But I don't want to spoil it for anyone that that hasn't seen it, but I'm jealous mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it because that means you get to experience yeah. it again. Yeah, it just, yeah. When you get to the end of it, you're just kind of like, oh man, I want to do that again because it's it's so hard with mysteries, especially to like go back sometimes. Mm-hmm. And because you're like, I already I know the end. Like it's not a surprise. It's like the sixth sense. Like, yep. Yep. You can only see it once. You go back and, yeah, it's like you watch it one time, you're like, well, that's done. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I buy it on DVD? I know how this ends. Totally. Um, so uh, I had a question and then I lost it and I'm trying to get it back again. <laughs> oh, um, so in terms of the nerd rock stuff, because I saw you, you posted something on Facebook uh, a little while ago that 
uh, a band that you really liked was coming back with a new album and that you feel like nerd rock is starting to make this, you know, this push into the mainstream so much more um, because there's uh, there's you and there's like uh, Jonathan Colton, um, Paul and Storm, uh, the Double Clicks. Uh, was it? Um, you, I I I don't know if you would consider Garfunkel and Oates as well. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of would. I'm not too familiar with their stuff, but of what I know of their stuff, I think it's it could be totally lumped in with. I mean, I, I want to like I'm all about like you know the nerd rock thing and, and pushing our genre, and I want that to get bigger. But at the same time, I at the, I can't be a hypocrite when people aren't nerd rock kind of push that away either. Like nerd rock has has become something where I feel like it's all about what you're passionate about. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, again, the low hanging fruit is comics and video games and stuff like that. But if you're writing certain songs about things that are, you know, even if they're not nerdy, I could even say it's nerd rock. Like maybe at some point everyone will consider themselves nerd rock. And that's, I mean, that would be a gift, you know, yeah. and, and that would be really fun. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting seeing it evolve and, and kind of realize like, okay, when we kind of started this thing in 2009, it was kind of a big experiment. And, <laughs> And, you know, thankfully within like, you know, three months, I experienced more exposure than I had in the 10 years prior doing just like what you'd say is mainstream rock music. So but like, yeah. okay, let's see what happens here. We did the second record and and basically it's just uh, a way to give for me a voice to what I hear the conversation in geek pop culture becoming and as it evolves. And, and I think that's admirable, too, because, I mean, people... Are, I think we're all still trying to kind of wrap our our heads around what's been going on the last like five or six years at this point. Yeah, it's like we're we're still you know figuring out our spaces and like holding on to them or trying to be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's a strange time, but it's also a a very interesting time to be a nerd. Totally is, and one of the you know one of the things that I always kind of my mantra these days is one of the things I always hear people saying is you know like the world is kind of taking our stuff. And I, mm-hmm. and I kind of get that, like I get where that's coming from. And especially because, you know, if, if someone's like me, who, when I grew up, like I was made fun of liking comics and video games and, and I wasn't like a big sports dude and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so you kind of want to hold on to this thing that you really identify with on a personal level that is at least what I used to think of it as separate from other people. And, mm-hmm. and now that, that everyone loves comics and every, you know, the the mom in in Georgia who never read comics in her life loves Agents of Shield or those crazy Big Bang guys or something like yeah. that, right? And so I mean that's a beautiful thing and also a way to share what we've always been into forever. But I definitely see that the push and pull of of the struggle to give people a chance to love what you love when you weren't really validated for that as a younger person. Yeah, it it is a strange thing where you feel like, okay, this was my identity. Yeah. Um, and it still is, but now other people who before didn't have that are now calling themselves nerd or geek or whatever, and you're like, and, and there's been this whole, like, fake geek, or especially with women, fake geek girl uh-huh. uh, stuff. And, I mean, it, it becomes like this, okay, I want to share, but I don't know if I should share everything. Like, should I still hold on to something and keep it mine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a real deal. It means different things to different people, and I it, it's hard to it's hard to to judge that because I get it. You know what I mean? But also, I think just because of what we do, I'm in the business of sharing. So it's it's yeah. it just is a choice that I've made in a different way that um, 
you know, I think everyone's going to get to eventually when they realize there's just more fun to be had for everyone by being inclusive. Exactly. Well, and especially through music. I mean, music is so much of a shared language. Yeah. Um, and it's, even if you're not paying attention to words, sometimes a beat can just unite people together. Be like, yeah, I love, you know, just nodding your heads together at the same time mm-hmm. is enough to get people on board. And then when they start, you know, really paying attention to the lyrics, they're like, oh, it's that thing that I like. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that's, I always love hearing that because to me, that's almost like the biggest compliment I can receive for what I do is, is to hear like, hey, I really like this song. And I was like, oh, shit, wait, that's about Wolverine. You know, instead of, you know, just because you have a song about Wolverine, that does not a good song make. You know, that kind of that kind of thing. So, and, it, and, and the thing is, even the, the title of the song, On and On, doesn't imply that it's a Wolverine song to begin with. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's kind of clever if, if it's uh, not necessarily, I mean, you have, you know, more obvious titles like uh, off of the the newer album like the web web slinger hope bringer mm-hmm. um or like ring capacity or something like that but on and on you wouldn't go like oh obviously that is a wolverine song i will listen to it because i love wolverine yeah yeah i mean that's <laughs> that that's something that I, I always kind of wonder like okay should we make it more obvious or not and some stuff lends itself there and some stuff doesn't i mean it, in the same kind of way that we have a new song on the new record called geek culture is dead and it's like, ah. and it's like when you see that, like I, I, I wanted to be very careful about naming that song. I had to think about it because if someone sees that, if it's a Kirby Crackle song, they're like, "What? These guys are basically like shooting themselves in the foot." But, <laughs> yeah. but you got to go beyond that. It's not we're saying geek culture is dead. It's a commentary on people saying that for the very reasons we were just talking about a couple minutes earlier, and mm-hmm. and how everything is kind of blending, and it's not dead. It's just changing. So you know, yeah. it's kind of like. You know, I guess it's like Lenny Kravis doing rock and roll is dead like 10 years ago. And, and you know, he's not saying it's more of a, a commentary on that. Well, and it's also kind of an invitation to be like, I dare you to listen to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, go into it hating me and hopefully you won't. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get a bunch of people at Comic-Con and just be like, I listened to that song thinking I was going to hate it. Man, I love you. Hopefully. That's the goal. <laughs> enjoy it. Uh, so, um... You know, in listening to a lot of your songs too, uh, do you have particular influences that uh, that create the sound of certain albums or certain songs, or is it? Do you feel like your style is fairly unique at times? Um, you know, it's. I've said before in like interviews, like one of my, you know, I'm very upfront with I loved early '90s rock forever, and I think mm-hmm. if you hear that, you're like, okay, yeah. When you hear what I yeah. do, like it's ba- it's a basic you know, rock pop song structure of, you know, intro, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus. And we tweak it now and then. But I've always really loved um, catchy vocal lines. I've always really loved something that you could walk away singing regardless of the genre and whether whether or not you even like the song. I think there's something powerful about it if it sticks in your head. So I've tried to kind of learn more about that over the years and just kind of become a student of what that is uh, in a way that I enjoy it. And hopefully mm-hmm. other people will enjoy it too. Um, I love guitar rock, and you know, as as the world evolves every year with you know what's big right now, kind of the Lord thing, and and then you know rap's really big one year and stuff like that. I've always tried to keep true to to what I feel like I do well, and then mm-hmm. pick and pick and pull little things off that I enjoy happening in popular music that year. Um, when I do, you when have I was, fun with like doing like raps and stuff like that every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, yeah, doing that every once in a while just to kind of you know make myself 
laugh and hopefully other people will enjoy it too. You know, it's like when it started, it was all about what makes us laugh. And, and mm-hmm. chances are there's more people out there that will enjoy that than us. And, and we've been lucky to, <laughs> to have people with, um, you know, enjoy lowbrow humor such as ourselves. <laughs> but, uh, we're not complex dudes. We love a good fart joke. So uh, who doesn't, who doesn't really? So yeah, it's just, it's, it's changed. It's evolved. And, and hopefully, you know, this new record, I feel like it's evolved even a little bit more using different chord structures and a little different songwriting patterns that I've done in the past. And, and, uh, it's really just kind of driving. So I think like in a cohesive way, this new album is going to sound more like it should be an album than before. Like I love how there's like an acoustic song and like kind of a reggae song and a hip hop song. Like I love that. And I love that fans have let us do that. At the same time, I'm kind of looking forward to being like, here's a set of 11 songs that are all sound like they could be the same band. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean the, cause I mean, I'm not a musician, so it's, it's, it's always interesting to hear how like the, the, the making of an album, especially from, uh, you know, the perspective of the, the songwriters and the musicians and everything. I mean, um, when you, when did Kirby Crackle like really come together, uh, like solidify as a band? Um, well, Kirby Crackle was started, um, with, uh, my songwriting partner, Jim Demonakos in 2009. Uh, he's mm-hmm. not in the band anymore. Currently it's, I'm the guy who's out to conventions now and we have a full band when we can do, uh, records and basically when the full band has flown out on special occasions, we can do that. Um, but Jim mm-hmm. and I started in 2009 and, uh, basically it was all about, okay, let's blend our love of comics and, and music. And he had the connections in comics, and I had the deal going with music uh, with, as I had years before and combining that and trying to make something that we wished uh, existed. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's kind of how that started. You just, thought, you just saw the industry, and you're like, it's lacking this thing that, you know, I, I want to listen to. And you're just like, I'm going to make it, you know, I'm going to be that guy then. Well, we just kind of thought it would be weird and cool. I mean... I mean, I always wanted to be involved in comics, but I, you know, I had a dream when I was little of, of being a comics artist. And, you know, when the image boom happened, I was all about that. And I was going to be yeah. the next Wildcats guy, you know I mean? Like, that, was, that was something <laughs> I was convinced of. And I realized, like, no, I play guitar better, actually. Um, but, you know, but it was always kind of looking as a fan of wanting to play in that sandbox. And, and then just kind of, it just kind of happened. And then it's like, cool, now I'm fortunate enough to meet people that I read the comics of when I was 11, you know, and I don't know, yeah. I don't tell them that at first because I'm going to fanboy out on them, but <laughs> uh, maybe like the second time I meet them, I'll tell them that. There we yeah. go. What was, what was your biggest fanboy uh, moment? Um, it would be uh, with uh, Joe Quesada from Marvel Comics um, mm-hmm. because I loved his work on X Factor and everything. And actually when I was 10, my dad took me to Golden Apple Comics in Seattle where he was doing a signing. And I, it was one of like one of the only comic sightings I went to as a little dude, uh, and and I got those signed. And then, you know, in 2010, he performed on stage with us and stuff. And oh, that's so and cool. And I told him right before we went on stage that that happened. So it's like you can't leave now because you're gonna because you're <laughs> gonna look weird, not me. So. <laughs> like I'm gonna tell you this, and now you're gonna feel entrapped. So you're, you're gonna feel entrapment because that's how I work. it's the only way really to get the people you love to do things that you want them to do is to you know either guilt them or over compliment them well that's that's what david tell the comedian from new york always says he says a fine line between hugging someone and holding them down so they can't get up that's a fine (laughs) that's a fine thing 
<laughs> it really is. Um, so, uh, and, and looking at the songs for the most part, you you are a bit more, do you skew more Marvel than DC at times? Yeah, totally. I mean, I love the big flagship characters of, of DC, but all my all my years of, of reading Marvel and the B-list, C-list, D-list characters, that, that's, that's something I know more about than, than mm-hmm. DC, to be honest. But, you know, I love me some Green Lantern and, of course, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and, and we've touched on those. And, and then, uh, yeah, we haven't really written any D-level DC Comics things, but maybe I should just throw one out there randomly sometime. Yeah, <laughs> just start doing, like, Booster Gold Yeah, songs. totally. It's like, I read 50 issues of Booster Gold. Here, are you guys happy now? There you go. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna give you every detail in the song. Yeah, well, you, you didn't realize you didn't want it so bad, but it's how it came out. <laughs> no one realizes that they they wanted a Booster Gold song until it's put in front of their face. And even then, not really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, eh, I could take it or leave yeah. it. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, because I I really enjoy uh, Ring Capacity is one of my one of my favorite songs. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's it's really great. Like it's uh, whenever my uh, I've got my iPod on shuffle and that pops up, it's like, well, I'm not skipping that one. Oh, cool, cool. That <laughs> you know, we did that on a uh, on the Rock Band Network. That was our first song that came out for the Rock Band Network in like 2010, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it was I'll never forget going to test it out and failing out of your own song. Oh no! Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> of course, right? Of course, this is happening. But, well, I mean, what happened in particular? I mean, can you, can you go into those details, oh, or is it too painful? No, no, it's just it's just like I suck at rock band, and just because you play guitar doesn't mean you can play rock band well. And so, yeah, yeah, it's just one of those things. <laughs> and people that can't play guitar will just whoop me on rock band all the time. So it's kind of like it's weird from from like a guitar player's perspective. You actually have to hit it a little early, you know, than you would yeah. normally. But I'm not gonna be an old man about it. Um, <laughs> Back in my yeah, day. I'm not gonna be an old man. But a million people can't be wrong. I just suck. So old man Kirby Crackle can't play his own song. Yeah, yeah so sad. <laughs> just sitting there on the lawn with your shotgun and rocking chair. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, the I I know you had to have seen like the announcement for DC and Marvel's like movies and everything. Oh yeah. Uh, are uh, what are you most excited about with all these announcements? I mean, we're like we're set for the next you know ten fifteen years worth of movies at this point. Yeah, I mean that's a little weird, right? I mean it makes total mm-hmm. sense, but it's just kind of like well, I hope you all don't burn out before then. I don't think we will. I mean, I'm I'm excited for all the big ones, of course, like you know Avengers: Infinity War, and and you know our fans were like, we got to start the ring capacity movement for 2020 because that's right. God knows it's going to take that long to get people to. <laughs> But, um, you know, I'm kind of, like, excited for the weird stuff, like Inhumans. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. why is someone making an Inhumans movie? I mean, Because they can't make the X-Men. <laughs> yeah, because they can't make the X-Men. It's like, this is going to be weird. It's like, Terrigan Miss and what? It's just going to be weird. And I'm just excited <laughs> to see how they're going to do that, you know? I mean, but also, they proved me wrong with Guardians of the Galaxy. They dug that one out deep. And I, oh, my God. It was so good. Yeah, it was so good. And even the second, third viewing, I thought it was great. But... I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that, it kind of going with what, bringing it back to what we've been talking about, the fact that everyone and their mom knows who Groot is now, that's just, I know. it's a different <laughs> world we're in, that's for sure. It really is, like, um, I, I actually showed the tra- the first trailer went with the um, Hooked on a Feeling bit, um, I showed that to my parents, who, I mean, my mom's been, you know, in the, she likes comics and that kind of stuff, but isn't like an avid reader or anything like that. Yeah. 
and and my dad's just like as far away from this culture as you can possibly get. Okay. <laughs> and I showed them the trailer for the for the movie, uh-huh. and uh, and they were both like, "Okay, yeah, I'll see that." <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, right? Like I follow James Gunn, uh, the director, on Instagram, and I love seeing mm-hmm. what he posts because he did the coolest thing he posted was a picture of Groot in kind of like the the look that he was gonna have. And he was yeah. he was a little more mean looking, and his eyes were a little deeper set. And mm-hmm. then he goes, "I felt like this wasn't going to be appealing to everyone who wasn't already in for the character." He goes, "And the note I gave him, I, the, the note I gave my uh, art design crew was to make his eyes look more like a dog's in terms of oh. kind of friendly and inviting." And then when you see the switch they made, and you watch it now, and a lot of the expressions, it's totally that. That's what it is. It's, it's yeah. like a dog giving you dog eyes that we all, you know, on a deep level can identify with and just, like, accept right away. And I thought that that's just genius. Well, and even the, the fact that the movie, like, from the, from the get-go, from the minute you see Groot and Rocket, you automatically believe that they belong in the world. Yep. And, and you care about them. Yeah. You know, at that, that end when he's like, we are Groot, you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> it's all about caring about them, right? Like, that's why no one likes Spider-Man 3. Because yeah. it doesn't matter how many special effects you have. It doesn't matter how many crash, bam, boom, you know, scenes you have. It's just like that's going to exhaust you unless you really care about the people. And that's, I mean, it's something that we keep seeing over and over and over again. So that's the rule as far as I'm concerned. I felt that with Man of Steel. I've had numerous conversations about Man of Steel and the fact that, I mean, I'm in the I'm in the camp of like, I didn't hate it, but... You know, there's, I just see so many problems. Like, there was potential there that just felt squandered. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had so many conversations where, like, no, you don't understand. You have to care about him. We don't even know who he is by the end of the movie. Yeah, there's there's some disconnect going on. I remember, I'm the same camp, too, where it's like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't leave feeling like I did after Guardians, you know, where I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is going to make a bazillion dollars. Like, that kind of thing. Like, I remember there was a scene in a, in Man of Steel where he's talking with Lois and then all of a sudden he's presenting himself in costume to the bad guys with the government and I remember looking at my wife saying did I fall asleep like did I miss <laughs> something here like there's some weird there's some weird stuff going on with that like the cut seems like real yeah uh, I had a problem with the the flashbacks because it's like you're trying to do Batman Begins I get it yeah like the, the non-linear story yes but the, it's not working for Superman because Superman isn't Batman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel. I know it's a novel concept for some people. But <laughs> I want D. Man, I'm pulling for DC to to do good with these movies, but it feels like a little bit of catch up to me, kind of currently. I mean. Oh yeah, I mean, I I want the Wonder Woman movie to be good. I really, I really want it to be good. Yeah, and they got to put the work in though. I mean, that's that's why Avengers was awesome, right? Because everyone's got. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone had their solo movies or a couple, and and you know what's yeah. going on. No origin story. Boom, in. Yeah, exactly. It's like we know we know exactly who these characters are. We've we've invested the time in these other movies, yeah. and and the Avengers was like the biggest payoff in nerd culture. Probably. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's like everyone was glad they didn't die before then. Now they really don't mm-hmm. want to die before Avengers two. Yeah, exactly. Avengers three. <laughs> And then you look at like what they what they have planned planned out, and you're just like, my God! Like, I, I mean, I'm happy, but you're just like, 
That is so much stuff happening. Yeah, it's unprecedented. It's awesome. Yeah, and their presentation of it and everything. And, and there was the whole, like, after the Marvel event uh, thing that happened, especially, like, Captain Marvel. I'm so happy Captain Marvel. Yes, <laughs> overdue. It's like, Carol, yay! It's going to be great. And and maybe with the Inhumans, they can lead into, like, maybe a Kamala Khan, a Ms. Marvel stuff or whatever. Who knows? They're, they're planning even further ahead, I think, than we even know. I know. It's like you feel like like Kevin Feige is just like sitting in a room somewhere, going, "They have no idea." Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so, what are are you reading comics right now, or do you do you take breaks from them for a while and come back? You know, I've been reading um, a lot more comics than I have for the past year. I mean, I'm always reading comics, but I'm really trying to get into new things and stuff. Um, I'm always reading Saga. I'm always reading Walking Dead. Uh, oh my god! I got to catch up on. Yeah, so good. I'm gonna catch up on Death of Wolverine this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. I got a whole bunch of new lumberjanes, so I'm excited about that. I'm kind of, awesome. I kind of switched to to digital guy mostly now because of all the traveling that we've been doing yeah. and stuff. And to me, I'm just like, I just want to know I can read what I want to read when I want it, and not have to pack everything. But you mm-hmm. know, I really still believe in supporting your local comic store, so I will go get the trades of the thing that I really like. And so mm-hmm. I'm doing more trades than I did because I love having you know still the physical stuff on the bookshelf. I'm never gonna be all digital guy. I just got a, a, a smartwatch and I had to take it back because I was just like, I I already got something beeping and buzzing me all the time. I don't think I need that on my <laughs> wrist too. But it's awesome. Like, it's awesome. If that's your thing, coolness. But I got to have, I got one foot in both worlds, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, I always feel like that's a generational thing. Like, I mean, if, if you don't mind my asking, how old are you? Uh, I just turned Saturday 35. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and and so so I'm 30, so we're kind of in the we're in the same generational yeah. uh, group, and and I'm in that same boat where I'm half in the digital and half in the uh, the more the hard copy kind of stuff and trade paperbacks and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll read like the individual issues on uh, Comicsology and everything, but then it's like I need the trade because it doesn't have all the it doesn't have ads and it's got yeah. you know all the, the artwork and, and and everything so. Yeah, every every saga trade that comes out, and uh, oh god, are you, have you read uh, Rat Queens at all? I haven't. No, that's on my wish list though. Oh, it's so good. Cool. And that's on Comicsology. Uh, yeah, I think it's all. Uh, it, they've got one volume out, and they're in the middle of the the second uh, arc. So you've got a plenty, you know, you know, enough time to catch up. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's. it's I was kind of bummed when Comicsology didn't let you do the the previews anymore, buying straight from the app, but. I think just mm-hmm. need to get retrained and and it's fine, but uh, <laughs> but I think you know, you're right. We're in this weird kind of space. Like if you're, I'd say like late twenties, mid thirties, where you remember what life was like for enough time before the internet, and, and and before you had a phone and all that stuff. And so I actually think it's really cool to be able to remember like what it was like when you couldn't get a hold of someone unless you were home. I mean, yeah. I mean that's pretty crazy <laughs> and pretty awesome. <laughs> like super super so retro now right uh i know it's like it's very hipster it's very yeah it's so it's totally hipster yeah so my theory is like everyone who's got everything they want now in 20 years it's just going to be a total backlash against everything because mm-hmm. i mean it's what you know we love our toys now because we really have them when we were little right yeah so, exactly i don't know we'll see I would I would actually almost kill to get my uh, x-men cards back from when i was a kid oh you can borrow mine Okay. Do well, you have a storm card? I really love that storm card. I'll check. It depends. Is like from the X Men series or the Marvel series. It's uh, I think it's the 
X-Men series. Uh, okay, I have to get back to you on that. Yeah, I, I love those cards. Oh, man, now you're taking me back. Like, I love, I love, <laughs> love those cards. I would not eat lunch and just be grumpy every day. And then my mom finally figured out I was an asshole whenever I came home from school because <laughs> I was going to spend my money on Marvel cards. And then image cards and Wildcats cards, and I got them all in uh, baseball card holders and stuff. And I thought I had something special until someone told me, like, oh, no, those are worth nothing. I'm like, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> like crushing Yeah, but I'm never getting rid of them. Like, they're, they're badass. Exactly. No, like like I said, I I cut my my storm card. Uh, I don't even remember what when I got rid of them, but my storm card was because I wanted to be storm growing up. I was just like, I want to be, I want to control the weather. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the best power ever. It is. And uh, and her solo book is really good too. Uh, but yeah, it was like Storm. I had the, I, had a, I really liked my Cyclops card and my Nightcrawler and everything. And, um, it, it taught me how to pronounce Psylocke for the, I, <laughs> the first that's funny. I didn't know how to say that either. I, I was like sitting on the bus with a friend going like, Psylocke? What, what, Psylocke? What, what is this? Yeah. I didn't have my, uh, my Greek and Latin root words down yet. It's like, oh no, it's, it's a Norwegian fish dish. Psylocke. <laughs> Like the the lesser known X Men Ludafisk. Yeah, totally. Oh man. Oh, speaking of uh, not old Norwegian people, but um, huh. Marvel cards. When we were mm. in New York, we took a tour of the Marvel offices, and oh, yeah. they had this big framed uncut X Men card sheet. Oh wow! And I looked at it, and I, it took me a while to figure out what it was because I maybe everyone knows this, but I didn't know that's how they came. I just thought they were printing out these little cards. It's like this big sheet, and then they cut them up. I'm like, well, of course it is. But <laughs> it was just so cool to see it, like this huge, huge poster. Did you? Uh, was it like all the like all different characters? Oh yeah, or? it was like the whole. It was like the whole line in a big. Oh my god! In a big, big poster framed. And you're just like, I'm going to steal this yeah. now. Yes, the <laughs> big security man. Uh, I need to put ether over his face. Uh, yeah. Before like, I go upstairs, flash smell like ether to you. Yeah, <laughs> I smell <laughs> toast. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, look over there! Something is happening way over there. You should be looking at it. <laughs> Pull like a complete like Ocean's Eleven. Totally. Look, look way over there. <laughs> oh man, that, that is so awesome! You got to go and see the Marvel Studios and everything, and the, or at least the comics. And yeah, well, it's like you know, a lot of the artists and or the writer people who were on staff there kind of were out of things uh meetings so we didn't really see a lot of those guys but all the digital crews been a uh, buddies of ours for a while and we've worked with them doing the the watcher theme song and stuff and that was really mm-hmm. fun to to see those guys always make a point to to keep those relationships good while we're there and and they're all good dudes so it's definitely important, um, especially like I mean, you're you're in the business of uh, of, of being a, a musical nerd, so you wanna you wanna keep some of those ties good. Yeah, yeah, we're we're a weird little dinosaur running around. Um, yeah, the nerd rock thing. There's there's like say forty of us in America, from what I can tell. The people are like doing mm-hmm. it, doing it, and and we're all just it's like a comet hit, and all these weird little animals are running around now, trying to figure out where we are. Yeah, it's always it's always fun to find like a, a definitely like a new song. Like uh, I mean, if uh, I was so late to the game on like MC Chris's uh, Boba Fett song. Yeah. Um, but it's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's great. The the nerdcore thing is really interesting because they've had definitely a head start on the nerd rock deal. I mean, it's all mm-hmm. it's all nerd music. It's all the same love, but um, definitely people know less about nerd rock than than nerdcore. I think that's getting to be 
more common, um, especially for the reasons that we were talking about before. But MC Chris, Megaran, MC Lars, MC Frenelas for sure. You know, being the, oh, yeah. the grandfather of of that genre <laughs> has been around for a while, and and you know, definitely it's it's helped that rap has just been you know increasingly more and more popular everywhere. So, um, well, and, um, I think like Doc uh, Doc Awkward. Yes. Uh, he he did one of the uh, Geekquilibrium is is one of my favorite songs. But uh, I remember telling you this uh, at Rose City that the the version I have is actually a mashup. That's right. That's uh, right. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Michael Jackson's uh, "You Rock My World," which because uh, I'm friends with him now on Facebook. Nice. Uh, and I don't know if he knows about that mashup, but I almost want to like send it to him and be like, "Do you know about this? Because this is awesome." You should. <laughs> Um, has any has anyone ever like sampled your stuff or, or done mashups with that you know of? Um, not really mashups, but they like we've had um, people send us videos of them playing our song, which is really nice. Someone did that for my birthday. It was like the oh. best birthday gift ever, right? It was really cool. Which song was it? Uh, Vault One Hundred One. It's funny, like the the song that people send me is always Vault One Hundred One. What do you think that I is? I don't know. I just realized that right now. Now it's gonna drive me nuts until I figure out why. <laughs> You're gonna start keep listening to it. And you're like, why? Why this? One? Yeah, I think because the, the chorus is kind of sing songy and 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 I don't know. Good question. Well, I know what I'm doing tonight now. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad I gave you some yeah, homework. Yeah, no, I'm gonna obsess. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> right before your uh, your next thing or your gig in Las Vegas. <laughs> I'll have a plane ride to think about it. Um, there you go. We had uh, a group called Apocalypse Cow from Edmonton. <laughs> They're an acapella group, and they recorded and released a version of In Another Castle. Really? Yes, and you can find that um, under Apocalypse Cow on iTunes. They also have a band camp, uh, and, and it's super cool. I mean, they did some things that I didn't even think about doing in the melody, and that's a huge honor. Like, if you told me when we started someone was going to do that, I would freak out. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah that's got to be, like, the the ultimate compliment is that someone takes your song and, and in their own way makes it that their own, but they're also like, no, we were inspired by you. It was really cool, and I and you know I'm not really that familiar with the acapella genre in general, but it kind of got me listening to a little bit more now and then, you know, when I wanted to check out to see what that whole deal is doing and stuff, and and they're good, so it was pretty cool. Will you do an acapella song now that you're exploring it? Well, you know what? Speaking of, that's what I just did um, earlier this month for the Kirby Crackle Music Fan Club. I did an acapella <laughs> version of Roll Over. Oh my god! Which was re- go which was really hard actually because <laughs> I've never done it. And once like I thought it was like oh I'm just I know how the instruments go. I can hum the guitar part. I can beatbox. But no, actually doing it and doing it in time was a whole different thing. So mm-hmm. that took me some days, but but people seem to you're, get it. You're the sole singer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I do the the bass, and then also like, well, how do you do this from a sonics perspective so it's not just obviously one guy's voice and it's all blurry, you know, because mm-hmm. my, to- my voice is a certain tone, right? And if you do everything the same tone, it's just going to sound like crap. So um, I had to go kind of higher and do falsetto and some things. And so that was pretty fun. And so, yeah, we started the, the Kirby Crackle Music Fan Club like four months ago. We do two songs a month. Um, and basically it's just kind of experimenting with covers, uh, songs I wish I wrote, alternate Kirby Crackle versions of stuff. And then also... Mm-hmm just kind of one-offs, you know, kind of like the Yellow King that, that I don't really see having a place on a full album, but I want to put it out there. Yeah. 
And, and I, I imagine you get like pretty good feedback from people or uh, what it, the relationship between you and your fans, uh, I mean, is definitely important. So do you, do you feel like you benefit a lot from having that, uh, that group? Uh, definitely. You know, it's like, you know, Cracklehead, even if you're not in the fan club, like, you know, obviously we value everybody and we wouldn't be here, you know, today, wherever we are without people being interested in spreading the word. For us, word of mouth has been a huge thing. Social media has been a huge thing. You know, being independent since 2009 uh, is a big hustle um, and also financially. So what we did with the Kirby Crackle Music Fan Club is basically that's a way for us to put out new music. People subscribe to what we do. And then the funds from that go to keeping the machine going with conventions and tours and new albums. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like the cyclical thing where we want to put out more music, you want to hear it, and then we keep putting out more music because you want to hear it. So, yeah. so it, it works out really good, and, and that's through the Patreon company. You know, Kickstarter is something that a lot of our, our peers have been doing, and just, you know, for personal reasons, I just didn't think, like, Kickstarter was the thing for me, but uh, Patreon is, is a very cool ongoing system for, for crowdfunding that we're doing, and, and we're having a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the Patreon thing, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily, like, caught up on what it does. Is it just, like, you, like, monthly donate money, or is it... Yeah. Well, it's kind of, yeah, yeah, totally. It's uh, it was confusing to me at first. Totally, it's it's basically you know Kickstarter. You're funding a certain project, right? And then when that mm-hmm. project is funded, uh, it uh, unless you're totally shady, it gets made. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there have been we have heard stories about that, right? Um, and yeah. so uh, stuff gets made, and then and then people's cards get charged, all that kind of stuff. But um, it's the same model in terms of like, here's what we want to do. If you want to make it, it's a way to support if you want to receive it, the way to support where basically uh, Patreon lets you do per month uh, mm-hmm. or per project, whether that be a song or a music video or a podcast release or a short movie. So what we do, it's uh, we do four bucks a month. And what that is, is you receive two songs that you're never going to get any, anywhere else uh, from Kirby Crackle. And so what we do is there's different tiers. Like you get uh, a song, uh, for uh, four bucks a month, two songs for four bucks a month, or if you want to do five dollars a song, you get a performance video and handwritten lyric sheets and a stupid drawing that I do because I can't draw. So it's basically just a way <laughs> for everyone to make fun of me uh, communally. Um, and so you know, it goes all the way up to we have a you know we have a hundred dollar member and they're coming out to hang out with us in the studio later this month. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, it's like, you know, for hardcore fans, they can do that and come hang out and be on the record and, and you know, get T-shirts and all that stuff. So it's a way for us to kind of have a fan club and keep the machine going and, and do something new. You know, talking about evolving as an artist, it's, some, it's a way that we needed to uh, expand our brand. And uh, if fans are excited about that, then, then um, they jumped on. And so we've been lucky for that. That's awesome, uh, and thank you for explaining uh, Patreon to me. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Because we're so we're just so used to the Kickstarter model, but it's just kind of like an easiest way to describe it is an ongoing Kickstarter where you always get awesome stuff. Gotcha. That yeah, that is a much better way of explaining it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and also speaking of 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 trying new things, uh, when I was talking to you and uh, Kristen, uh, it was it, you guys are starting a brewing company. We are. Yeah. It's a uh, um, Charging Hippo Brewing Company. People can find it online, um, chargingHippobrewing.com. And basically, through all the 
for the past five years, six years of touring, whenever we were in a, a city, I would always make a point on the off hours when we weren't uh, at boothing or playing to go check out the local breweries and talk mm-hmm. to the brewers. And I'm a big craft beer fan, and I'm just a, a fan of alchemy in general and creating something out of nothing. And, and yeah. I just really loved kind of the freedom in craft beer that I felt existed in the freedom of music. Like, what doesn't exist? Let's make that. And, and like-minded people hopefully will join up. And so, you know, if, if people have been following the craft beer movement in America, uh, across the world, but especially America in the past five years, it seems like there's a new brewery opening up in every city every month, you know, sometimes yeah. multiple times a month. So people say it's going to, the bubble's getting, the bubble's going to burst and we're nowhere near then. Like no one says there's too many good restaurants, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So Charging Hippo Brewing Company is a way for me to participate uh, on a small level. So we put out about 12 kegs a month just in the Seattle area and kind of have like some nerdy leanings with it. It's not so, you know, quote unquote, Kirby Crackle beer, but Mm -hmm. we've got like a Snap Crackle Hop IPA, you know, (laughs) but don't. And then we've got a Sector 2814 Pale Ale. So mm-hmm. a little Green Lantern nod. So it's it's just fun and and a way to to play. Uh, and do you have a do you have a um, a beer of choice that you like? Like in terms of are you a darker, lighter, middle? You know, I'm like a big uh, IPA person. Um, ah. And so you know, everyone, you know, everyone in kind of craft beer for a long time was like, you know, boo on yellow fizzy beer. Well, there's nothing wrong with in my opinion, yellow fizzy beer, it's just that a lot of it is gross. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you have, if you don't like Budweiser or something like that, and you say like, oh, I'll never drink that. And then someone gives you basically the same genre of beer, but made by someone that didn't put massive artificial ingredients in it and brew it at a massive level where you have to cut corners and put rice in it and stuff like that. <laughs> you're like, whoa, this is amazing. You know, so, so like I'm a big stone brewing fan and, and, uh, in San Diego and just kind of like the whole West coast hop deal. It's, it's really fun for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, are you, are you working with like, uh, like, I mean, have you done home brewing before? Are you working with like more professional brewers or? Totally. Yeah. So I've been, um, uh, it's kind of, I guess I didn't say that part, huh? So to clarify, like I would, I would go meet <laughs> these brewers and then when I would be home from tour stops, I would brew at home. So, so like we made all the beer for our wedding and for friends, birthday parties and Christmas parties. So I've been doing that for five years. Um, you know, kind of long story short, this whole time trying to find a place in Seattle that is a, a brick and mortar spot for us, uh, Mm -hmm. ignorantly thought it would take me six months to why, to which I realized now why everyone laughed at me who had it take them (laughs) 10 years because it takes, it takes a while to find your spot. So, um, you know, instead of just waiting for our spot to open, we thought, you know what, let's just get our beer out there. So when we finally do get our shop, let's, we hit the ground running and people know about us. So for the past uh, year now, we've been brewing uh, in contract with a brewery near us called Justice Brewing. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have a, a Belgian uh, IPA that's very popular called White and Nerdy. And, yeah. and so that's pretty <laughs> fun. Uh, and so Nate uh, McLaughlin is the brewer's name and, and uh, he and I get together, and we have our stuff brewed at his facility, and I drive it around in my car and drop it off. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's, it's total DIY right now, so it's fun. Well, I mean, I think that kind of just speaks to the the grassroots nature of, of just even, you know, being a nerd rock band. 
Um, it seems uh, it seems like a, a parallel almost to, uh, to to mythologize your your life's work. Oh, uh, let's do it. No, I <laughs> I <laughs> I feel very thankful that people have let me do weird shit. Basically, is my <laughs> gravestone marker. Well, yeah, we'll put that on the on the headstone yeah. and be like, yep, he got to do some weird shit. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so um, and so we're, we're, we're closing in on, on an hour. And, uh, so before we do that, um, before we leave, I guess, yes. uh, I wanted to ask you, like, what is, what do you feel is your favorite song that you've, you've done? Um, like past, present, uh, or does it like, uh, is it by kind of like era or album? Um, I kind of think of, yeah, it kind of, someone told me one time that when you get older, you'll look back at your body work and you'll associate your life with different albums that you've done and I guess we can mm-hmm. think about that right when you hear a song on the radio that reminds me of when you were 12 or something like that you kind of go back to that place and I yeah. kind of think of that as in terms of like my art like my music um for me the first record will always be I always think of that really fondly because it was a time of real big experimentation and mm-hmm. and just kind of like will anyone like this and and it was done really low budget and really low fi and, and that's why it's pretty acoustic and, and electronic drums because it was just a big kind of risk. Uh, and so I really like that for that. And you know the second record, um, basically I'd gone through like a really bad breakup of long term relationship, and I remember that time thinking, like I just want to put all my efforts into this album. And to to me it sounds like that. To, to mm-hmm. me it sounds like okay, I can hear some things I was trying to get out that I wasn't aware of at the time when I listened to it, you know? Like, Ring, ca- yeah. ring Capacity off that record was kind of what that song was a time about. And so it's about Green Lantern, but it's also about, like, taking care of yourself. So mm-hmm. I, I really like that song. And um, Needing a Miracle off Super Powered Love is really fun, I, I feel like. Yeah. And that was a time we were traveling a lot, and we wrote um, a lot of that record when we were just, like, in our hotel room in Australia because we didn't know where to go. So we just kind of <laughs> hung out and wrote that record in there. So I think about that. And then um, it sounds like you, to me, sounds a lot like just kind of like the every man, every woman nerd, just kind mm-hmm. of like what are you doing when you're not out playing music in terms of like my life? I was at home sitting in cozy pants and <laughs> making tacos. So like you do. Like, I, like one does. Right. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just, if that answers your question, I just think it at different times, and I like each one for different things. And I, I'm really excited about the new record, our fifth album, because I feel like it kind of takes sounds like you to the next level, where it's, it's, I guess, I don't want to call it high art because uh, that sounds douchey, but it sounds, to, <laughs> it sounds to me like the most swinging for the fence thing that we've done yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll let the fans decide what they think of that, but I'm super psyched about it. Well, that's great. I think it, it's great that you're not only challenging yourself, but you're you're a little scared, and, and, and that's, I think, good for artists. Yeah. You know, if you're, if, yeah. if you're not afraid of what people are thinking that uh, think of you, then you're just kind of, like, static. Well, I think everyone's afraid to some degree what people think of them, and, and I, well, yeah, yeah, sure. that's totally true, and sometimes me on more records than others, but I think I'm a little scared about some of this one, but, I, but I'm excited. Well, that's so cool, and, and, and you did uh, answer the question, uh, I mean, you have different songs that uh, mean different things to you, and, and, and like you said, that, that goes for everybody, I mean, there are definitely songs that when I hear them on the radio, 
my mom used to play a lot of 50s and 60s music for me. Cool. Uh, so I hear like um, Admiral Halsey, uh, Uncle Albert or something like that. Uh-huh. And I remember being in the car singing the hands across the water bit, you cool. know, with my mom and my sister. And it feels good, right? Like even if like, you know, I mean, you'll always have that. That's the great thing. Like it will always access the path of neurons and chemicals in your brain when you hear that forever. And I mean, exactly. we're all going to be old sitting in nursing homes, listening to gin and juice. You know I mean? That's going to, oh that's going to be weird. And that's going to be quote unquote old people music. Our generation, like with Eminem playing in the background. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, we can't even fathom what that's going to be like, unless we're all on Mars or somewhere. So it could work out. Yeah. Too. Be fine. It's like, man, grandma stone cold. <laughs> Um, and I was going to ask, I mostly was asking your favorite song because, uh, would it be okay with you to, uh, play a favorite song, like at the end of the, the podcast to kind of like, uh, take us out? Please do. Excellent. So any one of those would probably do for you or, yeah, um, you know, some, or is there a particular song that you would, you would like people to hear? Let's see. I always feel like a good introduction to what we do is, uh, I want to live in a world full of heroes. But okay. I want you to play what you want to play. This is your show, and I want I, I want people to feel your love for what you want to play come out. <laughs> but you're my guest, Kyle. I I, I want to do what you what's comfortable for you. I would like you to play <laughs> Cindy Lauper. I drove all night. Okay. <laughs> please then I'll please do don't play that. No. <laughs> Oh, and um, so before we go, also, where can people find you uh, online and whatnot? Yes. Um, so uh, KirbyCrackleMusic.com is kind of the hub for all that we do. Uh, you can find out how to join the uh, the music fan club we talked about there if you like. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, at KirbyCrackle, uh, Facebook, uh, at KirbyCrackleMusic. Um, I post a lot on Instagram under just at Kyle Stevens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, how weird is it that we have to say at in front of everything when we tell people where to I find know. us now? <laughs> I'm just saying. But the, there's a song. You should write that. <laughs> Let me write this now. We still have one slot on the record, so you might be surprised. <laughs> I'm, I, uh, I patiently await the song that, uh, I told you to write. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, when do, do you have an idea of when the new album is going to, to drop? You know, um, because everything is so scheduled for us because of all the traveling we've been doing and stuff, we've stuck to it, which is great, which means it looks like it will probably come out at Emerald City Comic Con this year. Oh, that is awesome. You know, we've been doing the Crackle Fest uh, thing every year there, uh, every Friday for the past five years. This will be Crackle Fest 5, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of like our nerd music uh, culture variety show every Friday at the Hard Rock Cafe. And mm-hmm. uh, every year we get a little closer to selling it out. And I think we were like, 15 people short this year so i'm like damn we're gonna put out our cd that night and that's gonna do it so it's like gonna push us over i gotta gotta get over the hump like i want the fire department to have to come to the hard rock cafe and say that the capacity is full and not (laughs) and not just for the reasons that they came last year which is some homeless guy started a trash fire next to the air intake that is a true story it was horrible (gasps) I was yeah I I was kind of like uh, sick during last year's uh, uh, Emerald City so I oh, didn't no. do a lot of the late night stuff yeah. um, but walked around amongst people so that I could spread the germs yeah spread the Ebola is good for you <laughs> exactly yeah that's what I do uh, but yeah no I'll I'll definitely I'm gonna be showing up this year to <laughs> be like did he make it did they make it. <laughs> 
way. Well, and, and, and it's always good that you show up for for Emerald City as well too. So uh, our show, we're excited. We yeah. love we love the local show, and and Jim's always done good with that. So we're excited about that. And also, um, you know, last year we had Boylesque too. So mm-hmm. everyone has burlesque, but we're about the nerd ladies and dudes also that enjoy Boylesque. So there if you like to see middle aged men uh, dance around in a Randy Savage outfit, Crackle Fest is for you. <laughs> and who doesn't want that? I don't know anybody. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, neither do I. But I think that's the best note we could go <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, Kyle, thank you so much for, for giving me your time oh, and you. coming on the podcast. You're awesome. Uh, like I said, oh, thank you. I, I've, I've been a fan for so long, and it's, it's great to actually get to, to talk to you like a real person. You're a sweetheart. I appreciate it. Oh, there we go. We just compliment each other for the rest of this Yay. thing. Like, Yay, you're great. No, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, and uh, uh, I'll definitely be seeing you at uh, Emerald City Comic Con if not sooner. Sounds good. We'll see you then. All right. Thank Take you. Care. It seems I've yet to find my place I'm guarding 2814 I don't know why it's chosen me But from the corner of my eye I catch a glimpse of evil light The fear tries to swallow me Like I'm just some guy with an emerald